morning. Well, welcome, Everlast. How are we doing tonight? We doing good? I got a few oh yeahs in the front. Uh, well, my name is Tina. I'm the young adult coordinator here at Everlast. Kevin is my husband. He is our young adult pastor. And uh, lots of woos now. Uh, well, we are so glad that you have joined us tonight as we continue in our series, Love Routes. And let me just share the heart behind this series. Obviously, Kevin and I were out last week, and so we just want to share with you the uh, heart behind this series. And so uh, all of us in the room are at different places when it comes to singleness, dating. Uh, Some of you are engaged. Some of you are married. And all of us really are on different routes when it comes to our love life. Some of you might say, Stages, right? I'm in this love stage. I'm in this singleness stage. But stages can imply that there is a next step to get to, right? So if I say, uh, if you say you're single in the room, right? I'm in a singleness stage, then that can imply that the next step for you is to get married. But God and His sovereignty may have you in a specific route for a while, or it may be a route that God calls you to. And so we want to talk through every route. And so we named this series Love Routes because we are all in different routes. And so last week, Nathan did just a great job. I got to hear the message and uh, he taught on the route of singleness. Uh, And in that specific route, we are to thrive and enjoy the time of singleness that God has given us. And so tonight, as we go through this series, we are going to be hitting on uh, the route of dating. Silent. All right. Well, let me just say this. Uh, If you are in the room and you don't feel like dating applies to you uh, because maybe you aren't in that specific route, I would just encourage you to listen because these are principles that we're going to be talking about tonight uh, uh, that apply to everyone in the room. There will be specific things that we address tonight that you will be able to use to help and encourage your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, even if you are not currently in this route. And so uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Uh, That is where we are going to be in majority of the evening. So you can uh, get your Bibles ready, 1 Timothy chapter 4. While you're turning there, we are going to pray and then uh, dive on in. Amen. All right, let's do it. Well, Father, we come before you tonight. God, we come before you expectant for you to move. Um, Lord, I was just even behind the curtain during worship, just thanking you, God, for all that you've done for me. And And I know for me, I just was in the back, and I was like, God, thank you for saving me. Thank you for the blood that you shed for me. And I don't know about you in the room, but when was the last time you said, God, thank you for salvation? And so, God, we just thank you tonight for saving us. God, we thank you that tonight you specifically have ordained each person in the room sovereignly to be here to hear this message. And so, God, I pray that you would speak to us tonight through your word. God, I ask that... uh, Yeah, Lord, I ask that we pray. I pray this a lot, but Lord, we we don't want just information. God, we really do want transformation. And so God, I pray that you would use this message to stir our affections for you, Jesus. God, I pray we would all leave here tonight thinking much more of you. God, we love you. We need you. 
Speak to us now, and we ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, Kevin and I were gone last week because we were on vacay. Uh, it was an awesome trip. Super thankful uh, to get some time away with our family and a break from this cold weather. And uh, it really was a sweet trip. Um, but while we were on our trip, one of the things that we got to do was an escape room. Now, this wasn't just any ordinary escape room. It was a Jurassic Park themed escape room. And aesthetically, this thing was amazing. Like, it felt like you were literally in the movie trying not to get eaten by the T-Rex. At one point uh, in the escape room, one of our good friends, Laura, who was on the trip with us, I literally, because I actually was scared, because you could hear the T-Rex coming, I'm like, something's going to jump out. And so I put her in front of me, barricaded her, but the door's here, she's here, and I'm like, if something's going to come out, it's going to get her and not me, right? And so I'm just a great friend in, in those moments. And, uh, but here's the thing, so it, it felt so real, like it was so interactive, but it was also really confusing. Uh, we were in this room trying to listen to instructions, but the instructions were confusing, right? We obviously knew the, knew the objective was to get out of the room, uh, but had no idea how to do it. Right? We didn't know what to do or what we were specifically looking for. And because of that, we were aimlessly looking around the room, very confused, very confused, trying to find something. But also, I'm freaking out because the T-Rex sounds are getting closer. And essentially, we completely failed the mission. I mean, y'all, we, we failed. And, uh, and here's why we failed. Because we didn't know what to do. We didn't know what to do, how to do it. We didn't know what to look for. And now why do I share that? Well, in the culture we live in today, dating is kind of like the escape room. Aside from the T-Rex chasing you, it's confusing. We don't know where to look, who to look for, how to do it. And some of us end up aimlessly walking around trying to figure it out and end up frustrated and completely confused. Do I spend time on dating apps? Do I go to different young adult ministries to broaden my options? When do I ask someone out? How do I go about pursuing someone? And what if I'm a girl? Can I pursue a guy? Or how do I know if he or she is interested? How do I break up with someone? What should I look for in someone? Do they need to have the same interests as I do? Should I be physically attracted to them? Do I have to pay or does he pay? He should pay. Uh... Right, I don't even know what's happening, right? Like, dating is confusing. And it's confusing, especially in today's culture, right? Where iPhones and, technologies are uh, iPhones and technology are now the most common way to communicate with the opposite sex. And so tonight, my prayer, as we look to scripture, as we look to God's word, my, my prayer is that as we look to the truth, that it will help alleviate the confusion of dating. And it will give you a clear and better understanding of when to date and who we should be looking for when it comes to dating. So first, let me give you some history on dating. Dating has only been around for the last 120 years. Dating is a modern idea that has recently, in the last 100 years or so, been introduced to find a suitable spouse. Uh, dating hasn't been around that long. Prior to the 100 years ago, no one had ever gone 
on a date, right? This isn't something that's been around forever, which is why the Bible doesn't talk about dating. That there are no occasions uh, where, it is, where the word uh, dating is used or gives example of Joseph approaching Mary and asking her on a date. It's not a thing. However, the Bible does talk about romance, marriage, evaluation, decision-making, discipleship, and instruction on how to live in a manner worthy of the calling. And so tonight, we are going to take God's word to equip you and to apply, uh, and apply that to dating in a way that lines up with God's word and not what the world says and falsely teaches us about dating. So we're going to hit on three main points tonight. When to date, who to date, how to date. When to date, who to date, how to date. First point, when to date. How do I know if I am ready to date? Am I in a place where it is wise for me to date someone? One, if you have the mentality of dating just to date or dating just for fun, then you are not ready to date. Dating is for the purpose of marriage. If you have no plans, no purpose, intentionality, no desirable, no desire or no foreseeable future, sorry, no desire nor foreseeable marriage in your future, you should not be dating. Dating is meant to lead to the destination of marriage. Dating is for the purpose of getting to know someone to see if they would be a suitable spouse. It is two people evaluating, is this a person that I could spend the rest of my life with? That that is the point of dating. Dating is like going to the airport. No one goes to the airport to just hang out. It would be weird. Yeah, no one goes to the airport to just hang out. Everyone goes to the airport as a step to get you towards your destination. Dating is a step to get you towards your destination. And that destination is marriage. And sometimes you get on that plane and flights make it to that destination. AKA, you date someone, God says yes, and you get married. Other times, flights get canceled. And the destination is no longer a thing. You date someone, it isn't who the Lord has, and marriage wasn't the outcome. And listen, that's totally okay, right? It may be the first time you praise God that a flight got canceled. Thank you, Jesus, that did not work out. Get me to a new destination. Amen. The point is, the purpose of dating is for marriage. And if you aren't ready for marriage, then you aren't ready to date. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. If you go into dating with the wrong motivations or the wrong intentions, not only is that not guarding your own heart, but you're leading someone else on and you're not honoring them. And as believers in Christ, we are called to love honor and respect our brothers and sisters in Christ. Romans 12:10 says love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. If you have no desire in marriage and you are not in a place of pursuing that route, you are not ready to date. And everlasting, just because you can date doesn't mean you should date. Just because you are available does not mean you are dateable. You can write that one down. 
It's free. You should not be dating if you're not in a place for marriage. Point number two, you are not ready to date if you are dating for the intent and purpose of trying to find your fulfillment in another person. I'm going to say it again. You are not ready to date if you are dating for the intent and purpose of trying to find your fulfillment in another person. Everlast. No human will ever and can ever satisfy you. Only God himself can satisfy the human soul. If you are dating because you believe that that individual will fix your loneliness, you are in for a rude awakening. Because no spouse, no human can, can, can fulfill the loneliness, the holes, and the thirst in your life. And listen, humans aren't meant to fill, uh, fulfill that empty hole. God is meant to be the one who satisfies the longing soul. Psalm 107.9 says, for he satisfies the longing soul. And the hungry soul he fills with good things. When we put that on another individual to satisfy and to fulfill that thirst and longing in us, listen, you're asking them to do something they were not created to do. That, that is like drinking salt water, expecting it to quench your thirst. If I approach salt water that way, I'm expecting it to do something it can't and wasn't created or intended to do. Listen, salt water can't quench your thirst. In fact, salt water will actually leave you in, with increased dehydration. And just like salt water, humans aren't created to quench your thirst. Humans aren't created to fulfill your loneliness. You're asking an, an individual to fulfill something that only God can, can, fill, can fulfill. To do what only God can do. And if you're dating with that mindset, right, you believe that that individual will fulfill the loneliness or that that person will fill that void for you, here's what ends up happening. What ends up happening is you end up settling, lowering your standards, compromising your values and beliefs. Instead of being filled, you end up disappointed, more dehydrated, and worse off than where you were. Everlast marriage will not fix your loneliness. It will fix your singleness. You won't be single anymore. It'll fix that, but it won't fix your loneliness. Marriage will change your last name, but it won't change the hole going down in your heart because that hole is meant to be filled by the one who satisfies the longing soul. I love how author Tommy Nelson said it. He said, the loneliness of singleness does not compare to the loneliness of a king-sized bed next to someone who cannot speak to you about the deep love and grace of Jesus. It's not worth it. Everlast, it is better to be lonely than to settle for something less than what God has best and in store for you. When you look for a guy or girl to be what only God can be, you are setting everybody up for failure. I heard it once said when it comes to dating, you want to approach dating as a whole person, W-H-O-L-E. I am complete in Christ. They don't complete me. I am already completed. Not a whole person, H-O-L-E. I got holes for you to fill. Because listen, they won't be able to. You are not ready to date if you are looking for someone else to satisfy and fulfill what only God can fulfill. You are ready to date when you are complete in Christ and whole in him. When do I know if I'm ready to date? When I'm complete in Christ, my satisfaction is in knowing him, 
not looking for someone else to fulfill me, and when I am pursuing and ready for marriage, not just dating to date. And listen, that by no means is an exhaustive list, but just a couple ways to gauge if dating, if you're at a place uh, to date and if dating is a wise thing for you. And if dating is a go for you, right, you are in a place ready to pursue someone with the purpose and intent for marriage, the next point is who. Who should I date? Who should I look for? One, you should be looking for someone who has the same mission in Christ. Uh, I've shared this before here at Everlast, um, but Ori, who is one of our Everlast leaders here, he's awesome. Uh, Ori uh, served in the Marine Corps. Oorah, I said it right. Um, and I asked him one night, I said, hey, what did it look like to get orders for a particular mission? And he explained to me that he had a commanding officer, and that commanding officer gives his platoon an overall mission objective. That this is your mission, and this is how it's to be executed. That commanding officer would never say, hey, just go out there, good luck, figure it out. That would be absurd. Right, that there would be lots of confusion of what, what are we doing, where are we going, uh, which would lead to a failed mission and maybe even worse casualties. Right, that that would be insane to send out his platoon with no mission objective. And listen, it's the same with us. We as believers have a mission objective here on earth. God doesn't just say, figure it out. We, we are aimlessly going about our lives. The Bible gives us clear instruction on our mission and how it, is, how it is to be completed. And our mission, whether you are married or single in the room, whatever route you are on, our mission is to be fully devoted followers of Christ. God, all that I have is to be seen for your glory and used for your glory. In Acts 20, 24, Paul writes, but I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Paul is saying, my life is not my own, only that I may finish the mission that God has called me to do, which is to testify to the gospel of the grace of God which is to testify that Jesus, who lived a perfect life here on earth, willingly sacrificed his life on your behalf, bearing the weight of your sin and God's wrath, so that through his death and resurrection, because of his grace and mercy and love towards you, you may receive the gift of eternal life. Our mission is to proclaim the good news of God's grace to undeserving sinners like you and me. And this isn't just a mission. This is a commandment. Matthew 28, 19 through 20 says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Right? It's not like the good old Mission Impossible movies where it says, this is your mission if you choose to accept it. Good luck. And then the phone blows up. If you are a believer in the room, listen to this. If you are a believer in the room, when you, choose Je when you chose Jesus, to surrender your life completely to him. In that moment, you accepted the mission. You said yes to the mission. The question is, how are you doing with the mission? And if you are a believer in the room, when it comes to dating, who you should date 
It should be to date someone who has the same mission in mind. You are on the same trajectory. You have the same mission objective, which is to testify not just with our words, but also with our actions, the gospel of the grace of God. Again, God, all that I do, all that I have is yours. Who should you date? Date someone with the same mission. Which leads to the second point on who you should date. Date someone who is marked by Christ. And this is huge. Don't miss this. I didn't say date someone who checks the Christian box on a dating app. I didn't say date someone who's a lukewarm Christian or a culture Christian who claims to be a Christian but whose actions don't reflect it. I'm not talking about someone who identifies as a Christian. You can identify as a dog, but it doesn't mean you're a dog. I'm talking about someone whose life is marked by Christ. Date someone who has the same mission and is marked by Jesus. Meaning there is a clear evidence that they know Jesus. That their lives have been radically changed because of knowing Jesus and the Holy Spirit is at work within them. You want to date someone who is wholeheartedly pursuing after Jesus. And because they are pursuing after Jesus, their actions reflect that. They are setting an example to others of what it looks like to pursue and follow Christ. Paul writes to Timothy, who he considers like a younger brother, and he says in 1 Timothy 4.12, Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Paul gives Timothy five things to do to set an example for the believer. And Everlast, if you're looking for someone to date, who, who should I date? What should I look for in someone? I think these five things are great examples to look for in someone when it comes to dating. Who, who should I date? So, so let's look at the example as we, as believers, are supposed to uh, walk in. And so we're going to spend some time going through each of them. The first thing Paul mentions is speech. And this is a great question to ask, right? When you're evaluating who should I date, who should I marry, Are they marked by Christ? A great question to ask is, do they set an example in their speech? In other words, what's coming out of their mouth? Do they gossip? Do they tear people down? Are they constantly talking about themselves? I remember being on a date once uh, with a guy in college, and I think I may have said two words the whole night, hi and bye, because the entire conversation revolved around him. His speech was showing a lot of self instead of showing he was more concerned with others. What's their speech like? Are they constantly negative? You want to talk about something that would be hard in marriage is coming home to someone whose speech is constantly negative, never lifting you up. You have a hard day at work, and instead of saying, I'm sorry, I'm here for you, God is for you, you got this, I love you. Instead, you're hearing things like, yeah, that must really suck. You know, it is what it is. What are you going to do? I don't know what to tell you. I mean, can you imagine? What is their speech like? Are they cynical towards others? Or, Or what about when they get squeezed, right? When they get stressed, mad, or under pressure? What is their speech like then? What, what comes out of their mouth when, they, when, when someone cuts them off in traffic? I'll never forget this. This does not have to do with traffic. But when Kevin and I were dating, he said, Christina, I want to date you in every season. 
And he wasn't talking about fall, winter, spring, and summer. He was talking about all aspects of life. Good, fun, hard, challenging. He, he wanted to know how does she respond, not just when we're on a fun date and things are going well. I, I want to see how she responds when we disagree on something or when someone sins against her. What's her speech like? Everlast, what is their speech like? Because if you want to know what kind of heart someone has, look at their speech. Matthew 12, 34 says, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Listen, your words are a byproduct of the heart. Do they set an example in their speech? Do their words reflect someone who has a heart that has been transformed by Jesus? Secondly, Paul mentions is conduct. What is their conduct like? What is their reputation like? What is their character show? What do people say about them? And listen, this is where community is huge and comes into play. You want to know the conduct and the character of someone you're dating? Ask their community. Ask the people they do life with. Because listen, you can be the best version of yourself on a date, but what are they like outside of the date? What are they like in everyday life? And the people who know them best are going to be able to vouch for them or not. Uh, when Kevin and I were dating, we were actually attending different churches. And so we had different communities, right? We weren't really doing uh, life together. And so uh, Kevin and I were still getting to know each other. And after a few dates, um, I remember two specific moments where community uh, allowed us to see and get an insight on who the person uh, really was. Uh, and that first moment was Kevin came to my church on a Wednesday night where I was leading uh, out and volunteering at the time in our student ministry. And he stayed the whole night. And you know what he was doing? He was observing. He was watching how I interacted with students. He was seeing how I led, how I served. He was having conversations with other leaders and church members inquiring about me. And listen, it wasn't in a way that was like, let me see if she's good enough for me or if she can prove herself worthy. No, he was genuinely wanting to see, who is this girl outside of a date? Well, what is she like in her element? Well, what do people say about her when she isn't around? He, he wanted to know my character, my reputation. And listen, it was vice versa. I spent time asking Kevin's friends and community questions like, what's your favorite thing about Kevin? Well, what is he like behind closed doors? I remember one time in particular, I spoke with one of his mentors. He was a pastor on staff. And I was just listening and asking questions to make sure the guy that I was spending time with was the same guy when I wasn't spending time with him. And listen, this is the thing about online dating. And I'm not opposed to online dating. I know uh, several people who have met online and it worked out for them. But proceed with caution. Just because someone puts Christian on their profile doesn't mean they are pursuing Christ. Right? It's hard to know someone's reputation through a profile page. Community is huge. And when it comes, uh, when it comes to this fact check, you want to make sure who you are dating is someone who reflects godly character, and not just godly character when they're on a date, but in everyday life. 1 Peter 1, 14 through 16 says, As obedient children do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. All right, this verse says, be holy, set apart in all your conduct, everything you do. 
Is the person you are dating striving in everything they do to be set apart in how they walk and live their life? Do they set an example in their conduct? Third thing, what and how do they love? Do they love sports? Do they love serving? Do they love kids? Do they love money? Do they love cats? If so, run. Just kidding. But I'm not. What do they love? And listen, it's fine that they love things. But you want to make sure the greatest obsession and love of their life is Jesus. Matthew 22, 37 through 39 says, And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Do they set an example in how they love God and how they love people? I love how one pastor put it. He said, a great indicator of how people love is by looking to see where they invest their time, talents, and treasures. Matthew 6, 21 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When you see how someone spends their time and how they use their gift, you will see a great indicator of their heart. Do their actions reflect someone who loves Jesus? And also, how do they love? I've shared this before, but when Kevin and I were dating, he said to me, hey, Christina, no matter what happens, I want to leave you better off than where we started. Meaning, even if we don't work out, I want your relationship with Jesus to grow and for you to be more in love with him because of how I pursued you. And listen, in that moment, Kevin was showing me, I care more about your relationship with Jesus than if we work out or not. And Everlast, who you should date, date someone who is marked by Christ, by how they love people well. Where do they spend their time? Where do they spend their talents and treasures? Because what they love will reflect what they believe. Which leads to point four. What does their faith look like? Do they live out their faith in such a way that shows that they believe in the one true God who saved them from the destructiveness of sin and the damnation of hell? Do they live their life in such a way that reflects what they say they believe about Jesus? What does their faith look like? Do they set an example in their faith? I'm, I'm reading a book right now by Paul Tripp called Do You Believe? And one of my favorite quotes so far is he said, Truth not lived is truth not believed. Meaning, you can know scriptures, you can have verses memorized, have read through the whole Bible, and yet still not be living out the truth of God's word because you don't believe it. And listen, that's a good indicator when dating someone is, do they live out their faith? Do they live out what they believe? Do they take the word of God and apply it to their lives? They don't just say they know the gospel, but their lives reflect one who's been radically changed by the gospel. Has faith in Jesus changed them? Because listen, you cannot change someone. I heard it once said, we are not called to missionary dating. We aren't called to be on mission to change someone in dating. That's not our job. And you aren't promised they're going to change. You need to look at their faith and have they been radically changed by Jesus. Or here's another way to look at it. There's a lady uh, on staff, she does a lot of premarital counseling, and she said, Christina, something I always say in premarital counseling is, to the couple is, hey, look at the person next to you. 
This is the most important decision you will ever make outside of surrendering your life to Christ. And I want you to look at that person and I want you to ask yourself this question. If that person never changed, would you be okay with marrying the person who is sitting next to you today? If they never changed, sin struggle stayed the same, personality, maturity, if they never changed, are you okay with marrying who they are today? And what she, was, what she was getting at is don't marry someone thinking you can change them. Everlast, you don't want to date someone who you think you can change. You want to date someone who, because of their faith in Jesus, is already radically transformed by the grace of Christ and whose life continues to be transformed through becoming more like him, who, because of their faith in Christ, is constantly putting on the armor of Christ, Ephesians 6 who is putting on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, forgiveness, love, letting the peace of Christ rule in their hearts, Colossians 3. Look for someone who loves Jesus and whose faith in Christ shows that. And and I think sometimes we can tend to overcomplicate it, right? We, We come in with this checklist of personal preferences instead of godly characteristics and create some version of this fantasy person. Right? I want him to be this tall, but not like too tall. I want him to be funny, but not like too funny. I want her to love sports because I love sports. Right? She has to have the same interests that I do. And listen, that's a great way to order a burger or assemble your bowl at Chipotle, but you can't assemble people. The have it your way slogan does not apply to dating. It's more God have your way when it comes to dating. And we tend to overcomplicate it, and it's really simple. It's really simple. Kevin and I say this all the time. Find someone who loves Jesus and pursue them. It's that simple. And many of y'all have heard this before, but it's actually Tommy Nelson, uh, who's the one who came up with this illustration. But he said, as you're running your race, there's going to be people who are running theirs. And some are going to pass you by. Some are going to look cute, and you just keep running your race. Until one day that person that has been running alongside you comes alongside you and you say, hey, you want to run this race with me? And that may sound cheesy, but it's awesome because it's simple. Stop worrying about the checklist. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Run your race. And when the time comes, don't overcomplicate it. Find someone who is running the race alongside you and is running with the same mission in mind. Who do you date? Date someone who loves Jesus and who sets an example for the believer. Lastly, uh, Paul mentions purity. Who to date? Date someone who excels in purity. Is the person you are dating living a pure life? And not just in the physical sense, but also in the moral sense. Like, what are they feeding their hearts? What are they entertained by? Kevin and I do a lot of premarital counseling, and one of the sections on there is purity. And yes, it is primarily referring to the physical part of purity, but it also refers to the mind. It refers to what you are allowing in to consume your thoughts that are not pure. And Kevin and I have said this before, but we have to be careful to not be entertained by the very things that Jesus died for. What movies are you watching? What music are you listening to? What are things that you are allowing in that are the very things that held Jesus on the cross? 
And when it comes to dating, is the person you are dating entertaining the very things that Jesus died for? Philippians 4.8, Paul writes, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. We are to set our minds on what is pure. And if our minds are on what is pure, then our actions physically will follow. A good question to ask when it comes to dating is, is the person you're in a relationship with, are they committed to purity? Do do their actions reflect someone who is fighting hard for purity? And if not, your answer is no to that question. What that individual is saying when it comes to not pursuing purity, this is what that individual is saying. They're saying, I'm choosing to follow my feelings instead of following the word of Christ. I'm choosing to follow my feelings rather than fearing God. I'm choosing to follow my feelings versus following the commands that God has given me. I'm going to do what I want to do. And what is really being communicated in that moment is that person and the individual is saying, I don't value the marriage covenant. Their actions are showing in that moment of not pursuing purity are showing that they are willing to go outside of the marriage covenant for intimacy. And that is a dangerous thing. You need to really ask yourself the question is who I'm dating someone who values purity over feelings? Am I dating someone who is willing to go outside the marriage covenant for intimacy? Am I dating someone who is showing that through their actions that they don't value the marriage covenant or what God has to say in his word? Kevin and I have been um, to a lot of weddings, uh, but recently we've been to several weddings. And there's a reason why they say you may now kiss the bride at a wedding. It's because most of history, that was the first time they kissed the bride. You may now kiss her because you are married. And Kevin and I get this question a lot with couples we, uh, we, walk, we have walked with. Uh, and it's, um, it's this question. How far is too far? What, what's the line I shouldn't cross? But everlast, that's like asking how close to the edge of a building can I get? And my response is, well, do you want to jump off? Because if you don't want to jump off and crash and burn, then don't get close to the edge. Another way we've counseled and answered this question is, hey, behind closed doors, when it's just you and that person you're dating, is to ask yourself the question, is what I'm doing, is what are we doing in this moment, is it God honoring? Like, would you honestly say that what we are doing is bringing God glory and praise and honor to his name? 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, flee from sexual immorality. That word flee in the Greek means to escape safely out of danger. It means to be saved by flight, to run away. Let's talk about wasps for a second. Seems random. It's not. Hear me out. No one likes wasps, right? I've never met anyone who sees a wasp and responds like it's a butterfly. Oh, look at the wasp. How cute. No. The reaction when people see a wasp is to what? It's to run. 
Danger, there's a stinger, I don't wanna get stung. People will freak out when they see a wasp, right? They will jump, spill their drink, leave their kids to defend for themselves. I've seen it happen, my sister. I am like, I'm getting out of here. See you later, they flee. And Everlast, listen, when it comes to sexual immorality, we should respond like we are seeing a wasp. Warning, danger, run, this isn't good. It's time to flee. We are to flee. Does the person you are dating flee from sexual immorality? Are they compromising what God's very own word says about the marriage covenant? And if they are compromising now during dating, meaning they don't value the marriage covenant now, what's to say they're going to value it if you get married? And I don't say that to scare you. I say that to say a good idea of how someone will handle their future actions is how they are currently handling their actions. And let me just clarify. I am not talking about those who are, who are repentant over their sin. I'm not talking about those who are brokenhearted over their sin, who are currently fighting hard for purity. I'm not talking about those who've made past mistakes. We all have all have fallen short of the glory of God and are now transformed by Jesus. I'm not talking about that person. I'm talking about the person who is currently compromising and whose actions are currently showing, I don't really care. I'm continually choosing my feelings over God's word and I'm gonna do what I wanna do. Who should you date? Someone who sets an example in purity. Because if they are fighting hard for purity now, you better bet in marriage they're going to be fighting all the more. And listen, I'll be known with you, Kevin and I fought hard in purity. And there were some moments where it wasn't easy when we were dating. Have you seen my husband? Amen, right? I'm going to use the quote. I'm using, I'm stealing his quote. He fine and he mine, right? But listen, by God's grace, we walked in purity, and because of that, I want you to hear this closely, because we walked in purity and by the God's grace we did, because of that, I have no worries in our marriage. I fully trust that man because he honored the marriage covenant when we were dating. You want to date someone who is currently fighting hard for purity. And let me just say this because I think it needs to be said. For those in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. We are bought with the blood of Christ. There is grace upon grace because of what Christ did for us. Past sins, present sins, future sins. You can clap for that because amen. That's the good news of the gospel. And so when saying that, who do we date? We date someone who sets an example in purity, speech, conduct, love, and faith. And lastly, if we know when to date, who to date, I'll, I'll close here quickly, how to date. Kevin and I did a teaching on this last year. I would encourage you to go to that podcast and listen to the full message. It, it's, it's great. And I'm only going to list quickly two things from that message. So if you want to hear the full thing, you can go to the podcast. But how to date. One, pursuit. Pursuit with honest communication. Fellas, hey, if you are interested in a godly girl, ask her out. Be direct, be specific, be clear. You are honoring her by giving her clear communication. Not mis mixed messages like, wanna hang out? What you doing this weekend, you got plans? Or text WYD, right? 
Kevin has said this before, and he said it in that how-to date message, but he said, when it comes to pursuing a girl, be upfront. Let her know your intentions. Let her know this. Hey, I like you. I would like to get to know you more. I want to take you out on a date. Be clear. A clarity will serve the other person, and it makes things clear, and it communicates your intentions, and it honors God. Ladies, be direct, be honest, be clear. Proverbs 24, 26 says, whoever gives an honest answer kisses the lips. Colossians 3, 9 says, do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put, put off the old self with its practices. Ladies, if you go on a date with a guy and you aren't interested, be honest. I've talked with several ladies who come up to me and they're like, Tina, I need help. I went on a date with this guy, but I really don't like him, and I feel, felt obligated to say yes, and I didn't want to hurt his feelings, but now uh, he thinks I'm interested in him, and I really don't know what to do. And I'm like, why did you say yes in the first place? Ladies, we need to be honest, and listen, there's a way to go about that that isn't rude or unkind. right? I've seen it play out where a guy asks the girl out, and the girl says, man, wow, so honored. That sounds like it would be a lot of fun. We, we probably have a really awesome time, but I just honestly, I don't see us in that way. And here's the crazy thing. The dude wasn't destroyed. He may have been bummed, but he wasn't devastated. Because anybody who's anybody appreciates honest communication. Uh, fellows would rather honesty than being led on. Pursue with clarity and honesty. And secondly, prayer. How to date prayer. A good rule of thumb don't start dating without praying, and don't stop praying while you are dating. Prayer is the key to any successful dating relationship. I love how Marshall Siegel said it. Uh, he said, if we refuse to pray in dating, we refuse to receive the precious resources we need most in dating. Philippians 4.6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything that includes dating. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. We don't pray because it's some protocol. We pray because it's us surrendering over and acknowledging that we can do nothing apart from Christ. If you want to have a successful dating relationship, pray. One of the things I loved uh, about when Kevin and I would go on a date, as soon as I would get in the car, he would pray. And then after the date, right before the night ended, he would pray before he dropped me off. We wanted God to be at the center of our relationship and wanted his will to be done, even if that meant that flight was going to be canceled, even if God said no. God is who gives us direction, and if we aren't uh, going to him for it, we're going to be lost. Prayer is the way in which we go to God and ask for a direction, and he gives us that through his word. Everlast, if you are not praying, you are missing out on the one, you're missing out on one of the most important resources when it comes to dating. How do we date? We pursue with honesty and clarity, and we pray. Everlast, when, who, and how we date matters. And would we be an everlast ministry that biblically pursues relationships well? Amen? Amen. Let's pray.